This podcast is brought to you by Media 8. Welcome to Off the Cuff with Kel, conversations from the front line, a podcast and live show for survivors and the leaders who support them. I'm your host, Kelly Humphreys, a survivor of child sexual abuse, advocate, author, speaker, ambassador, a lover of all things outdoors with over 15 years of law enforcement experience. Please support me in my mission to break cycles of abuse and trauma. You can help by donating to my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. Hello guys and welcome to Off The Cuff with Kel. I'm so excited tonight. I have my dear friend Lizzie with us. Uh, welcome to Off The Cuff with Kel. Lizzie, thank you so much for being here. How are you going? Oh, I'm really good, Kel. Thank you for having me. Um, this has been a bit of time in the making and uh, yeah, it's awesome. We've, we've got, it, got it together and um, hopefully we can help uh, uh, impact um, some people tonight. So. It's pretty cool, is it? Got I see you've got the the board in the background there. You're giving me kind of the surfing vibe. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's <pretty> um, cool. <laughs> something I live and breathe uh, these days. And um, yeah, obviously uh, a, a local made board there from the Gold Coast. Um, surfing's my passion. We'll probably dive into a little bit how that came about tonight. Um, the ocean, you know, I love it. It's it's total freedom for me um, and a place where I connect or reconnect when I need to um, to centre myself. So. Oh, it's awesome. It's awesome. So, guys, Lizzie and I, when she says a long time in the making, uh, I am so excited to have her because we just have this amazing, you say, well, she's actually, it was her fault. I started saying so good. It's so good. We have a soul good connection um, and it's just been beautiful. So uh, Lizzie's a surfer. She's a, an emergency nurse. She's a amazing um life coach and mentor she's really been able to even teach me some stuff which has been really wonderful because look you know what i know everything um <laughs> so it's been a great um peer support uh I, I think is probably a good way to put it where we just you know can sort of bounce off each other but um just an amazing connection so we will be kind of sharing parts of our story and, and lizzie's story particularly tonight um so there may be some stuff uh as you know guys with off the cuff with, with Kel, um, this is some of the content uh, maybe triggering. Uh, we, we don't sugarcoat it. We really open up a conversation because I, I just do not think there's any point um, in, in sanitizing it. We really have to be real. We have to be open. And I think that that's where the healing happens. So I've been waiting uh, for this conversation, Lizzie. So I'm so glad that you're able to find some time tonight to join us. Thank you. Oh, absolutely. Um, a pleasure and um, purely coming from lived experience and knowing how important it is to share your story and to share it openly and um, proudly um, because that can help your healing journey and something that when I came to a place of being able to talk about what happened to me and, and be open about it, um, to realise the impact it then had on other people as well was very motivating, um, very encouraging, um, and also helped me, you know, heal along along the way as well. So, yeah, it's um, it's what yeah. it's all about, and and hopefully people can find and draw inspiration from that as well for for everyone that does um, have that strength to share what's happened to them. Well, one thing, Lizzie, I, I watched. Uh, there's a, there's an episode of the Lifeline podcast that I watched that you that you did, and I listened to the whole thing and. To be honest, like a lot of people send me stuff and, and look, no offense to anybody who sent me podcasts and things I don't normally have a lot of time to watch. And 
you know, it's even like reading a book. I'd read the first like chapter and then I'd be like, get someone else to read it and tell me what it's about. I'm shocking. But I watched every little bit of that and it was just, you've got a beautifully inspiring story. So I would love you to share with our listeners um, a little bit about your story, uh, what you feel comfortable sharing. Yeah, sure. And I know you've got heaps of strategies to share later. So yeah, I'll, I'll hand it over to you. Uh, thank you, Kel, and thank you for your very kind and endearing words. Um, yeah, I've done a number of things to um, share my story and, and put it out there, which takes a lot of uh, courage and, and you'd need to be vulnerable. But in, in sharing that, every time I do share it, there's always, um, you know, a, a feeling that you have within your side, within inside yourself that you can be apprehensive about it. But I always um, ensure that I I share in a way that could be helpful to someone else. Um, it doesn't take away from what happened, but um, it's super important to, you know, honour yourself as you share your truth as well. So um, for me, and it took um, nearly 20 years for me to open up about this, but um, I was sexually abused as a child for nearly seven years. Um, it happened within my family dynamic. And I kept that a secret, um, as I said, for 20 odd years. Um, I also, there were other incidences that happened outside the family home, the family dynamic, and, um, you know, it was suffering in silence for a very long time. Um, and with that, um, you know, I got to a point at 27 when I, I needed to break my silence and um, open, about, open up about what happened to me. To me. And during those, like the years prior, there were there were so many things that I was struggling with um, in secret and um, and through suffering in silence that it, it needed to come out to a point to help myself because everything else I was trying wasn't working um, and, and that became, you know, the catalyst for not only sharing my truth but um, my healing journey um, but not before some really darker times as well, so. Mm. And you... I guess like you kept just secret there for like 20 years. It does take, I think the average person to like 27, I think I'm probably going to get this way. It's like 24 or 27. See, I have short-term memory loss, right? <laughs> um, 27 years to, to speak up. So mm. what was that like for you when you were able to finally break that silence? Um, it was, uh, it was very difficult, but at the time I knew I needed to to break my silence. I, I got to a point where everything that I was trying wasn't working and um, I got to a, a really dark place in my life and, um, and that was um, a moment where I could have, you know, chosen one way or the other. And this particular day I was um, alone in my apartment and I remember waking up that day having this overwhelming feeling that I needed to finally break my silence and I kept trying to put it off like no don't don't open up about it why now like after all these years no one will believe you anyway you know and my family dynamic was already um so um unsettled and and had so much um uh emotional um um elements to it that were that were very negative and um narcissistic in ways that I didn't feel opening up would make anything better anyway and so I got to this point where um I was contemplating ending my life and um, I, I thought that was the only way instead of breaking my silence. It was just, you know what, this is all too hard. I've burdened, um, I feel like I would burden, you know, so many more people by, you know, coming coming to the truth of this. Um, and then in this moment of, of wanting to um, end it all, and it wasn't the first time that I'd got to that point, but it was, it was, this particular day was, you know, 
such a dark um, time for me that um, in this little moment, this voice in my head said, you matter. Now show yourself this every day and your life will get better. And in this moment of irrationality to then having this piece of like, you matter, I was like, well, maybe I can do that. Like maybe I can show myself that I matter and I can, you know, make something of my life because really I, I knew I had more to do and be and give and all of that, but I was just in this world of darkness and this pain and suffering that I'd carried for 20-odd years, you know. And um, and in that moment I, I made a phone call to Lifeline um, and I reached out to them and I was um, counselled on the phone to... Um, reach out to other family members, to um, extended family members that I didn't know that well and to break my silence. And um, that night I, I went to my auntie and uncles and I, I told them everything and it was the first time I opened up about what had happened and it was like a huge weight had lifted off my shoulders and to be welcomed with um, open arms and open hearts was um, extremely important for me um, because... Uh, at the time, I'd been disowned by my own family. So um, just to another point of it is that I'd, I had opened up to them as well and they, my entire family disowned me for speaking the truth of being sexually abused. So it was, um, you know, a, a very turbulent time. It, it had a lot of darkness, but at the same time, I knew what I needed to do to help myself to not get in a position of, um, you know, not wanting to be here and 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 having to continue pain and suffering in my life because, it only serves its purpose for so long. And once you break that silence, it really does set you free. Um, it doesn't mean that you're completely healed just by doing it, but it does catalyze your journey for healing. And so from those moments, I was able to start to turn my life around day by day by showing myself that I matter and, um, you know, really starting to believe in that and, and do things that were, um, you know, reinforcing that um, and come out of that darkness and and come back to finding out who I really am and, and why I'm here. So um, it's been a journey, but one that I have no regrets uh, over and I'm extremely grateful to be here and to be able to share parts of my story, um, hopefully to help others. I just, thanks, Lizzie, that's awesome. And thank you for sharing. I know... It doesn't matter, uh, even, you know, myself on here, it doesn't matter how many times you share it. It's, it, I don't think it really gets easier. You just have more power over it. So I appreciate mm. the courage that uh, took to share. I, I just would love you to, that one sentence, if you could just say that again. I just think it's so powerful. <laughs> what I just said. Yeah. You see, things just... You matter, yeah. And so you matter first and foremost than others. And when you take, when you start to believe that you matter, so you is to be important to yourself and um, and significant to yourself, and that when you show yourself that every day, you do small steps to show yourself I matter, right? And you start doing that more and more with everything you do. It might be the way you think. It might be the way you feel. It might be what you do. But what you're doing is reinforcing a belief that I matter. And most people would know in this group, you you don't feel like you matter. You don't feel like you're enough. You don't feel like you're loved. You don't feel like you belong and so on. And these are all powerful beliefs. that. And if we live in these limiting beliefs, we keep holding ourselves stuck as a victim in what we've experienced, but it doesn't help us heal. It blocks our healing. So it's really important that whatever resonates with you, choose that. And if you focus on that and start to shift your perspective on that then you start to change the belief that you have about yourself and it does profound things um to yourself in your life because you're retraining your subconscious mind 
100%. And I guess that's where, uh, when we first started talking about coming on and doing this, we came up with the the whole label about the the, the trauma of labels and, you know, the words that we uh, speak over us or that have been spoken over us or, um, and, and I know you've got some uh, views when it comes to like medicine and, and you know, your uh, career and expertise in, in uh, nursing and things like that. But mm. um, I, I know myself and, I think I think for many of our listeners too, it's I don't think that um, we always draw the conclusion or, or the the nexus between the beliefs that we have now and how they've come from our perpetrators, you know, and yeah, and it's yeah. grooming and it's manipulation and it's and it's silencing, but we don't realize we hold on to those things because we're adults. We think, oh, we should know better than that. Mm. But no, it's not because they were created when we were children. For the most part, if you've had negative past experiences, they get locked in your subconscious mind. So you can't just recall them like we're chatting now, Kel. You need to go into your subconscious mind either either through meditation or hypnosis. And when you're able to to see what those layers are and identify your beliefs and your feelings and the events and everything associated with that, then you can put the pieces of the map together. And so as an adult, you can continue to ridicule and, and um, belittle yourself because you think, I should know this, I, you know, why do I keep sabotaging with these behaviours or this thought process and so on? But the thing is, and they don't teach you this, this is, I had to come to learn to, this on my journey. I didn't learn it through Western medicine. But when you finally understand how this all works and why you've um, protected yourself and kept yourself safe because of the trauma that you've experienced as a child and you still can play out those same um, attributes as an adult, that's what's kept you safe. But there comes a point where it also prohibits you from healing because that old sort of paradigm, it just wears thin. And so you can't just consciously go, oh, it's this and that. It doesn't, the subconscious mind doesn't work that way. It needs to be um, sifted through with the layers and drawn out through, as I said, um, deep meditation or hypnosis. Yeah, I, I think, um, and I, I guess because I've been uh, digging in and recording my courses and things like that, it's um, a lot of, you know, going back and, and reframing that original or that belief that you have. It's mm. it's kind of like when you have a conversation with someone, like you and I could be talking and there's like the voice that you hear, but then there's the, the voice that you kind of can hear at the back of your head. And that's the voice you need to be listening to because it's the one that's telling you the truth. <laughs> we yeah. often get so loud out there and chaotic that we don't actually listen to it. We shut it down. Yeah. That's small voice. We shut it down because we're like, no, I, you know, I know better than that, right? Yeah, that's right. And that um, that first impulse is your intuition. That first impulse is the truth. And then what you say after that or do after that is, is the narrative. It's coming from the egoic mind. So you start to try and um, you know, talk yourself out of something or, or sabotage yourself or belittle yourself. That's not the truth, you know, and that's where it's stripping those layers back to realise they serve their purpose from what's happened in your past, but they're not they're not doing you a, a service, you know, as an adult. They, they do keep you stuck and um, victimised by what's happened. So starting to, you know, change those, um, those layers and understanding what they mean is integral to being able to overcome whatever it is that you've been through. So when you said, so you, you get to that point where you had that thought in your head, you matter. So how was the journey after that? Like you, you've obviously learned how to do these things, but how did you get from that decision and like, that's it, my life is over, I'm done. Yeah. To then 
climbing your way back to this like warrior sun surfy chick who like <laughs> rides the waves like some sea goddess like, <laughs> how, how, did, how did you get to sea goddess uh thanks oh, cal so like i don't want to do this <laughs> Like so it, you know, obviously it was step by step. And um, for me, it was, I went on the search of finding out who I really am. And so what I needed to do was strip back the layers of who I wasn't. And, you know, when I show people photos of me, you know, uh, from that time, they, they say you're unrecognizable. You know, I, I was 20 kilos heavier. I had short hair. I, I dressed and looked older than what I was because my whole demeanor, oh, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with short yeah. hair, but <laughs> but my my I had this um, mask on and this mask was I was a professional nurse you know I was climbing up the corporate ladder in nursing I was mature for my years and you know all these things but I was just battling this you know this inner um, uh, inner conflict because I knew my truth and I knew who I really wanted to be but I, I wasn't matching up the thoughts, beliefs and feelings, um, you know, to my to my physical presence. So, so what I did was I started to go within and question everything about my life, my past experiences, face everything that had happened, lots of journal writing. I started um, practicing mindfulness. So I just self-taught, um, would go down the beach and just, you know, watch the world go by and start to you know, notice the colours and the landscapes and seascapes. And and every time my mind would wander off, I'd be like, come back to the present. Like, and that would make me feel good. I'd go from feeling anxious, you know, to then being calm or looking back at my past, feeling depressed and then coming back and being calm again. So started to train my mind with these practices going, well, this is working. This is, I'm feeling better than, you know, the things that I was, I was doing prior. So um, even though it was an, you know, an up and down journey of, of facing my emotions and feelings and the experiences, um, and, um, challenging myself, I had a lot of addictions back then. So I was binge eating in secret. Um, I was binge drinking as well. Um, self-loathing was, um, massive for me. I could barely look in the mirror and like who I saw. So, you know, the inward journey was coming to grips with all of that and working through the self-hatred, working through, um, the sabotage understanding what is it to be anxious, depressed, overwhelmed and confused. And once I started realizing this was all happening inside my mind and then my body was following through behavior or actions, I wasn't matching up. I wasn't in alignment. So as I started to face my stuff, it got easier and easier to challenge. So when I'd feel the urge to binge eat, I'd be like, what's going on here? What's this trigger about? And rather than just go and eat, and, you know, I'm talking, I would eat, you know, a large pizza, a tub of ice cream and a packet of Tim Tams. I wasn't just having a, a bit here and there. And, you know, you imagine the, uh, the guilt and shame you would feel afterwards. So it was about challenging those uncomfortable emotions because that's what was wanting to be uh, confronted. And every time I started to do that, I took my power back. And when I did that, the, the feeling of wanting to binge dissipated. And then I was like, oh, that's good. Like, do more of this. So the more that I went in, the more that I faced everything and started to work it all out and reprogram my mind when I knew and understood through mindfulness, through meditation, through um, journaling and facing all the stuff that we try and suppress, um, it got easier and easier. And then my whole body started to change naturally too, because it was like, well, I'm starting to become in alignment. So I became healthier and fitter and stronger and happier because I was shedding the layers that were um, holding me back from being my true self. I was shedding all the layers of the trauma and the experiences that went with that, 
and all of the negative emotions that, you know, I carried for way too long. And I found myself to a place of forgiveness um, for the perpetrators and other people that I'd felt hurt by. And once I'd sort of finally come to that point at 31, I was feeling completely free and happy and aligned. And um, not long after I started my business, You Matter Life Mentoring to get out there and help other people. So it was a beautiful evolution um, of not only my own personal journey, but to find my purpose to help others and um, people that I now help go off and do the same as well. So it's it's quite a nice flow and effect that when you put in the work for yourself, um, it's not only for you, but you you have the potential to go out and help others to do the same. You just It's just so beautiful to listen to you talk about. It's just such a wonderful, like, I, I don't know, people, people can share their stories sometimes and it's just, it's harsh. Like you just, I don't know, you just said it like poetry. <laughs> Thank you, Kel. I it's just, just lovely yeah. evolution, and you have you've got to be congratulated for putting in the work. Like, Thank you know, you. like I know you today, and um, you know, I just I just love all the things about you. I just think you're amazing. Um, but you. you do, you glow, and I love I love having conversations with you because if I'm feeling like shit, I'm like, oh, Lizzie. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I just sprinkle happy. my love, sprinkle my you know my goodness because it when you get to that place that you're in alignment, it just flows through you. And, you know, it's just a beautiful feeling and, and, and you, everyone has the opportunity to do this. And this is why healing is so powerful. And the, those that have been affected so greatly by trauma, I know what it's like to be in it and so stuck in it and it, and it's all consuming and it's dark. But if I could share one thing right now of, of someone who's at the beginning phase of what they're experiencing, it would be that you have been gifted a great purpose because of what you've experienced. And if you're able to move through and learn how to overcome what you've been through, you are going to be so impactful and so influential to other people in this world in the most meaningful way. And you will look back and be grateful, not in the aspect of asking for trauma to happen, but you'll be grateful for who you've become because of it. And when you rise into that and when you strengthen into that and you become courageous, you're, you're unstoppable. No one will be able to get you anymore. And that is the ultimate, um, you know, pillar of strength and truth for what we've all had to endure. Um, no one wishes it upon anyone, but if you can rise above and then live an amazing life because of what's happened, you know, that's got to be one of the, the, you know, the strongest things you can take from it. Again, so beautiful, Lizzie. <laughs> I just, it is. It's so powerful, and you're so right. Like, if I could just share like one little small thing. So today, I was, um, I was coming back from the grocery shop, and now I, there's, there's not much that really triggers me anymore. Like, it's, it's a bit different with the police PTSD stuff. That's very new to me. But in terms of my childhood stuff, like, there's only, there's only two things. One is white ox rollies, right? That's, that's a stench you just cannot. <laughs> Like uh, it, it's so pungent and significant, right? So that's very triggering for me. I haven't smelt it in a long time. And a Nissan Pintara green fucking old wagon, right? That's that's the that's the car that my uncle used to have. Now mm. today, on the way back from the shop, a green Nissan Pintara wagon went past me on the other side, and for a moment, my heart just stopped, and I was like. What the fuck are you doing here? Mm, mm. Like, what the fuck are you doing? How come you're here? Like it just a split second in my head, and I was like, 
hang on a minute fucking hell come on Humphreys like Mm. you're way above that he has no power over you he has no control over you and I just was like it's not his it's not I know it's not his car it's irrational to think that it was his car but the first time I've seen one in 25 years and I was like wow holy (laughs) shit but I realized in that in that moment how much I've grown because I don't know, there's, there's not too many things that do trigger me anymore, mm. but I was just like, okay, I'm good. And, that is, and that's it. That's, you know, every time you get a test like that, it's recognition of how far yeah. you've come and how much you've healed. And, you know, a lot of people will, you know, resonate in the fact that they think I haven't done enough and I haven't healed enough and I'll never get over this. But the universe, I'm a big believer in the universe, but it will test you in ways where you will know actually I am doing well and I am doing better and I am growing stronger because it only delivers you the test you're ready for and when you're able to proceed through that you go to the next level and the next level and healing doesn't just happen overnight you know it is a step-by-step process and it is showing up each day and doing the little things and not every day is going to be an up day it it's going to have you know the peaks and flows with it um, but it's the, the whole purpose is don't give up, don't give up on yourself and um, and seek support. There's plenty of other people that, um, you know, are willing to guide you along the way and support you and or have had their own experiences, especially those that have had similar experiences. It's it's very relatable to be able to connect and um, and know that you're, you're not on your own with what you're going through um, and the more that you share what's happened and but move forward in, I call it the... Um, there's the victim survive thrive cycle and a lot of us stay in victimhood and we stay stuck for quite a long period of time let's say 20 to 30 years in our life and it serves its purpose we sit in it in this beingness and we do it for such a period of time that we get to a point where we go right I'm bloody sick of this I'm over it and which way am I going to go next so you either stay stuck as a victim or you move into so you change the energy and move into um surviving and the surviving part becomes the healing part so as you start to learn all the tools of the trade in your healing once you've completed that then you go into thriving that's when you live your life's purpose that's when you give back you feel compelled to because it comes through you in a way that you've done the full cycle of you know going from a victim then moving into surviving it and then thriving in it and once you know you do that there's no you can't go backwards and that's why every day is so important to do the little steps and they build up to big steps and that, then the foundation creates this new version of yourself. Um, and the triggers, they still may be there, but they are so minuscule in their impact as you move from being a victim of something to surviving to then thriving because you've taken your power back. It can't happen to what you know happened in the past for you or for anyone that's been affected by any negative past experience. That's essentially what happens is our power has been taken away. We've lost our voice. We haven't had a choice and we've done the best thing we can to cope through those experiences, to keep ourselves safe, to be protected. But as adults now, if we're living a life where we're feeling like we're not aligned, where we're just stuck in this victimhood uh, mentality, um, it's hard to know which way to go with it. But that's where as soon as you take that next step, each day just do something a little bit different than you did the day before you're already on your way and then seek seek that support with others who who might be a little way along the road who can give a give back love it i love it um i just i keep thinking and i go back to the point um and and i know so many survivors 
get to that point where it's a bit yuck and a bit horrible. And so then they sabotage, right? Like we kind of been talking about it mm. and then it goes, you put yourself back into that victim cycle because you're just not really sure like how to push through that uncomfortable kind of part, right? So, you know, it's going to be awful. You know, you're going to have to do something like talk about it. I'm going to have to talk about the thing. I don't want to do it. So to me, that trigger, I keep saying, you know, fall in love with your triggers because that when your body reveals, it's time to heal, right? 100%. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you got to feel it to heal it. Yeah, you know yep. it. Yeah. So what, what would you what would you kind of say to people when they get to that trigger point? Yeah. So when you, when you get to the trigger point, it's um, important to acknowledge it first and foremost. So acknowledge the trigger. Okay, I've been triggered. And in that moment, just take a few more seconds than you normally would because what happens when we get triggered, we go into a state of reacti reactivity. So that can be I'm reaching for the food, I'm reaching for the drink, I'm, you know, reaching for the online shopping, the gambling, smoking, whatever it might be. So give yourself a few more seconds than you normally would. And then you, then what that gives you is an opportunity to make a choice. So you can either react or respond to what you're about to do. When you give yourself a few more seconds, there's two key things that can help um, de-escalate a trigger. And that is um, rhythm and nurture. So rhythm is get up and move, right? So if you're in, in your place, you know, move around the house or walk outside and just move, like move the energy, move the emotion that's stirred up inside of you. Right. And the other thing is nurture. So you need to show yourself some sort of self-love or kindness. Right. And if it's not, if you don't have the ability to do that, but you've got someone near you, go and have a hug, you know, call a friend, connect with someone, do something to feel connected again and give back. So nurture and rhythm are really key to, to de-triggering what's going on. And the more you practice this, the more you will um, feel confident that every time you get triggered, there's more you can do to help yourself instead of, the reaction that happens so quickly because you don't even think because what happens is when you're in reactivity, part of your brain shuts down. So you're in fight or flight response. So you're not using the, the most intelligent part of your brain because you're in a fear state. You go back to what happened. It will feel like it's happened yesterday. And that is the body's ability. That's the brain's ability to, to, to survive and to cope through what's going on. So take that time, take a few more seconds to, to stop and pause and respond to the situation go am I safe am I protected right now what can I do to nurture myself or receive that from someone else and what can I do to um, create rhythm just like a baby you'd hold a baby when they're crying and you rock them so that's rhythm right and nurture you're okay you you know offer them kindness and compassion and they stop crying they self-soothe so for adults we need to self-regulate so they're just two key things you can do to help um if you become triggered, there's a whole lot more, but I won't, I won't list them all tonight because we don't want to overwhelm either. No, it's really good. It's actually a really good way to put things because, um, you know, we often don't know how to look after ourselves. And I know for myself, like for the longest time and still I've got, um, my, my lovely, uh, office assistant, executive assistant, Shelly, she uh, just introduced herself on my page, but um, she's always getting at me for my self-talk and it's catching yourself out because, you know, uh, for the longest time I've been like, beating the crap out of myself, like, oh, come on, Humphreys, you can do better than that, you know. Mm. And uh, we don't realise it. And sometimes it takes having a uh, tribe and good people around you to say, now, listen, yeah, that's not how we talk to ourselves. Yeah. You know? And it's, 
language it's so important and you know I needed to do the same many years ago because I would I would know my internal dialogue and I would know what I would be saying when I look at the mirror or I'm going out to get ready for somewhere and and just dreading the fact I had to go out in public and be seen because I didn't like who I was and you know when I started really noticing my language I was like god you're horrible to yourself like now I barely say anything that's negative and if I catch myself I'm like oh where did that come from and I just recorrect because you know and and you you'll notice it profoundly in other people when you've done a lot of your own um, self-discovery and understanding of yourself and you start seeing the way people talk to them talk about themselves you're like that's terrible why would they you think that was me you know a few years ago or or many years ago and um, and it's a it's a powerful thing if you're not aware of it um, it can you know wreak havoc in your life and um, yeah we have the ability to change it's interesting like I, I think um, Aussies are really bad like we like to take the piss like we just think it's fun right we're like oh fuck man you'll be right just take some you know concrete and hard concrete hard nut yeah <laughs> like yeah mate should be right she's all right like you know we're so um blase when it comes to like acknowledging real trauma like Mm -hmm. and I think there's something to be said about that like I mean I don't know what culture does nurture trauma I think we're all pretty bad at it Mm. um but I just think Australians are really rough like yeah and and that that aspect of it will, um, you know, add to the stigma of not speaking up, you know, and whether it's men or women and, you know, this, you know, culture has a massive impact on on anyone in particular of, of being able to open up about negative past experiences, especially trauma, um, because, you know, you look, it, it's so... Um, still in this day and age people struggle to speak about it or or you you will like even when I talk about it sometimes my voice will lower and I'm thinking what am I lowering my voice for this is this is an issue it's you know what nearly one in four under 18 years of age in Australia of um you know people that do report um childhood sexual abuse like the stats are massive and my career as a nurse 20 odd years um working in the profession and and knowing the ins and outs of people's stories there and it's it's everywhere it's rife and if we're still suffering in silence that's why we have you know suicide rates at the the state that they are and why we have so many people that are addicted and suffering and mental health is you know continually on the rise because we're not speaking up you know people are still suffering in silence and feeling that stigma attached to it i just i think i've got this thing in my head i just have to say it like i just it's funny because I think I was I was at a, an event just recently, right? And mm. um, I I ended up getting the microphone for a few minutes and talking about what I do. Mm. And um, you know, I had lots of many people came and disclosed to me afterwards, and 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 just generally talked to me about what I was doing. But it's just like, oh, I've got this friend, and they were you know you know the they were you know you know abused, like mm. they're abused. Mm. Like it's like they can't say it, right? Mm. It's like the word, like the thing. It's mm. like, oh, they, you know, like they got, no. It's like they're just not even acknowledging it is yeah. so silencing. It's not funny. Like it's just like what you can't even say the word to somebody who's been through it. Like I feel like yeah. it's so offensive, you know, but oh. we do it all the time, you know. Oh, it's not proper to say things. We don't want to, mm. you know. Mm. And so there's this whole big like <laughs> I've never talked about that, but actually it just came into my head. I'm just thinking how inappropriate is it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? 
And and that's it. We talk about, oh, you know, sadly so-and-so's got cancer or they've got heart disease, but we can't talk about childhood trauma and the effects of that as an adult, you know, without it being, you know, the, these labels and stigma attached to it. And for those that have been affected by it, we were children. We didn't ask for it to happen. We didn't have a choice and we've done the best we can to survive through it. And we have just as much right to be able to share openly and truthfully to people and be believed than um, to live a life of suffering and, and silence and, and pain because essentially it's a lot of pain. Everyone would know what that feels like emotionally, physically, and the manifestations because of it. Um, but there is a way through it. You can overcome it. You can heal from it. You can thrive. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> not just myself, but I know many other people who have done the same and it's, you know, that's the, the focus we need to move towards instead of being stuck and um, part of a system. Unfortunately, Western medicine doesn't serve people in this way um, like it could. Um, it has its place, but having worked in it for so long and seen the way mental health is um, uh, managed within the hospital setting, um, unfortunately, you know, the labels that are attached to that and the medications and the diagnoses, they, they keep people stuck. And I found it hard pressed towards the end of my nursing to um, be in that and know that there was another way, but I couldn't go beyond my scope of practice either. So um, naturally mm. my mentoring, you know, took its, took its place and its way to be able to do it freely. Yeah. And I think it's really difficult because I know many health professionals have to put labels on things in order to, uh, well, look, anyone has to put a label on something in order to make it understood, right? Mm -hmm. You know, we, we like to label things ADHD when, you know, it's just trauma. It's it's what happens when you've experienced trauma. It mimics yeah. ADHD. That's what PTSD is. So we like to put labels on things in order to understand them. And I think a lot of times, particularly around child sexual abuse, like, People will have an assumption because of your experience about how you're going to be, right? Mm. Like, oh, she's experienced, she's she's been through child sexual abuse. Oh, she's, you know, she's really fragile. Or, you know, mm. like they just mm. make an assumption based on your experience that maybe you're not strong or maybe you're really strong or what, whatever it might be. Instead of just asking or, you know, just having a conversation, they just form an opinion or a belief yeah based on what they think they know about something which is sometimes nothing <laughs> yeah and and part of it um from my experience as well working within the industry i was working in emergency for the last uh, 12 years so you know it was um helping people with uh, suffering from mental health um, issues and knowing their story we'd always get a lot of information around their backstory and and um i would see the list of diagnoses that they've been given um, but I would know the core of their story. And at the end of the day, they wanted to be, you know, listened to, they wanted to be heard and they wanted to feel safe enough to be able to open up about their emotions. But that was never talked about. It was like, yeah. you're anxious, you're depressed, you've got PTSD, you've got BPDs, a borderline personality disorder, and then all these extra additional diagnoses that never used to be around, mind you, many years ago. And then here's all your medications and see you later. And they'd come back the next week or two weeks or a month and round the cycle and be so frustrated because it was never getting to the root cause of what they were going through. And the system kept them stuck. And But all they were seeking was help. That's the only avenue they knew. And, um, yeah. you know, that frustrated me. But I could do my bit um, as a health professional to be able to, if I happened to be their nurse while on duty, then I would share a little bit more just to... Um, be able to help them on their way so that they can empower themselves rather than be stuck in the system and mm. um and and do what I could. But you know, it's it's a system that 
as I said, it serves its purpose in some ways, but when it comes to um, trauma, you'll very you'll find it very hard pressed to have a doctor, a psychiatrist, or psychologist to tell you that you can heal from your trauma. Um, and I personally uh, found that during my own healing journey. But then the amount of times I've heard that as a professional, help uh, as a health professional, like it astounds me. And I think. Well, no wonder we have a society that's filled with people that are stuck in victimhood because they don't know any other way. So it takes other people that go outside that that realm and say, hey, this is what I learned and these are the things that I can share if it aligns with you or go and seek someone that, um, you know, is doing something that that you resonate with. And if it's not that, search yourself. We've got that much access to information now, YouTube, you know, you've got all the social media platforms and, and whatnot. Just read books podcasts, um, you know, audio books, and just uh, start to self-educate yourself. And the next step will be shown to you on that journey. Um, and the more that you do that, the more empowered you become then stuck in this cycle and and in a culture that doesn't really want to help people heal. And I think, I think it's interesting that so many of us are stuck. In, and look, I've got a hundred things in my head. At the moment. You, know, you know how my brain works. But a lot of times it is just actually having that conversation where you feel safe that, you you know, your trauma is truly acknowledged instead of band-aiding broken bones because yeah. you know you can't stick a band-aid on a broken bone, right? Definitely um, not. <laughs> I've seen it. <laughs> well, it's like putting you're taking that medication or you're sticking like, you know, a sterilised bandage over the mm. top of a really deep cut. Mm. Like without mm. doing the treatment to, to treat the cut, right? Like mm-hmm. you've got to do um more than that you've got to do more than that and so um you know it doesn't really help to you know dismiss or ignore those things because then obviously they're just going to keep coming back for the same treatment right that's right and and that's what um trauma does as well is that you you try and block suppress and resist it and it gets louder and louder and the whole point of that is to um you know allow you the opportunity to start going deeper within your own journey of healing um, and essentially we're all capable of doing it. It's just a matter of getting to that point where you have your breaking point. It might be that you get to rock bottom. It might be that you're just sick and tired of doing the same thing over and over again. Um, and therefore you you decide to choose a different path. And if that's one thing that I learned was um, quite simply, I started doing the complete opposite of what I was doing all those years of, of self-sabotage and self-hatred and um, going through the same cycles, I started to do the complete opposite and then life started to open up a whole lot more. So if that's one key thing that someone could take from this right now is whatever you're doing right now, start doing the complete opposite and watch watch everything shift. It's interesting. I've just, uh, so many people have, have reached out to me because they just can't find the right help, mm-hmm. right? But they're also, I think many people are really scared to try new things um you know they want to go to someone who's trusted and safe and whatever and usually that's a doctor right but I just I just feel like um there's a there's a journey um a journey to be had in in pursuing you know all these alternative ideas of what healing looks like and for me like I'm still as you know I'm not very good at sitting still Lizzie um (laughs) so meditation you know is is not great for me I, I find it very difficult but I found other ways you know fishing and I do you know, meditate in a way, um, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. ground yeah. myself and those things. And it does help because it's, it's one thing to have an intellectual understanding of trauma mm-hmm. and another thing to be able to join like 
um, your somatic body, like what you're feeling and what you're, um, you know, that's going on inside of you with what you intellectually know, because those two things need to come together at some point in order for you to get that healing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's it. It's, it's doing, there's so many different um, aspects out there that people can try. And it's a matter of, of just taking the next step, start to do what aligns with you. Not everything's going to work. That's where you can absorb yourself with so much information and knowledge and just take the one thing out of the 100 things that you've just witnessed and go, yeah, that connected. The rest didn't. That's fine. And you start to create your own healing journey. There is no right or wrong way of doing it. It's just that you actually show up for yourself, start committing to your journey of healing and being kind and gentle with yourself along the way because you've come this far, you've been through so much and, um, you know, you've, there's no point in doing what you've already done because it's, it's got you to the point it has. But if you want to progress in a more positive and stronger way, it's, it's about just taking those small steps and, and not being too hard and, and starting to align with what resonates. And that will just naturally happen more and more as you get into that mindset of um, I'm going to heal from this or I'm going to overcome this rather than I'm a victim of this. Yeah, and I think one thing that just popped into my mind too for everyone who's listening is don't give up at the mm. first sign that it's not going to work because it takes 21 days to form a habit and it takes one day to break it. So um, you, you can very easily, because when we're hypervigilant, it's very hard for us to stay committed and focused on one thing, you know, but just be consistent with something for a period of time until you can truly figure out whether it's for you or not. Yeah, um, if you... If you that's right and if you put your head on the pillow at night and go did I do one good thing today for myself right and there might have been 99 that you go hard oh, I don't know focus on the one good thing and be like that was you know that was a start and then the next day it might be two good things it's not going to be you know a trajectory of, of of straight up that's not how it works when you're healing it's just the little steps you can take each day change your beliefs you know I matter I'm enough I am worthy I am loved pick one and even if that's the only thing you do for the next week or month, that's more powerful than if you just keep doing what you've already done and stay stuck in that victim mode and, and, and keep, um, you know, harming yourself in these ways through the pain and the suffering and the thoughts and the experiences. I think one thing too that's really important is that um, I, I put this up sometimes, is like you've already survived the hardest part and that's the thing, right? You've done the thing, you've been through the thing, the thing in the trauma, the abuse, you've already conquered the hardest part of this journey, right? Yeah. So anything else, you can do it, right? You yeah. you can 100% do it. You can achieve it. Um, you can conquer it. You can overcome it because you've already survived the hardest part. Yeah. And, and the strength it takes to do that and to go all those years either suffering in silence, like if you only tap into 1% of that, you are on your way. It's just recognizing that is the power that's in you. But if you keep thinking about what happened and you go back to your victimhood, you give that person or those people your power. You give it away to them. And that's where you make that one shift and go, I am so strong to have survived what I've been through. I'm going to use that just at 1% and move forward in that direction. Yeah, one little step at a time um and and i guess part of the reason talking about that is one of our questions um lizzie is mm -hmm. about what we think about counseling that doesn't talk about the trauma and mm -hmm. i think <laughs> what's really important is having that persistence to find the right people right 
And absolutely, a lot of therapists are not um, sometimes like they're very well intended, mm-hmm. but if they don't have their own experience of, sometimes they're a little bit hit and miss, right? So mm-hmm. you really have to find it, it's like finding a good shampoo or um, you know, like you've got to find something that works for you that's yeah. targeted and tailored and specific um, yeah. and addresses your needs that you feel comfortable with. Like that you, you can't, you won't know unless you go or you can find a recommendation from somebody. Um, that's right. But- and and to use it, um, you know, there's lots of counsellors and psychologists out there and so on. Use, like everything, give it a go a few times, get some key foundational tools or skills or resources, and then it's also up to you. They're not going to do your inner work. They'll, they'll lead you to a few different things, but at the end of the day, it's what you need to be able to do for yourself as well. That will create the biggest change. So um, whilst, you know, it might be finding someone you align with, it's also realising that seeing a counsellor for the next 10 years isn't going to solve your problems or have you heal better it's, it's what you're doing for yourself. Like that's the most powerful part in healing is that when you start showing up for yourself and, and understanding who you are and you're not afraid of that anymore, you can do so much more than what anyone else can ever do for you. And it's what I say to people is that you're the best person to help yourself, but it's to do it with some guidance and support. It's, it's to do it with someone who's perhaps, you know, been through something similar that can say, hey, these are the lessons I learned. These are the things that might um, help you along your path. But if they're not, then you create the things that do work. Um, so it's not bottling yourself into just one aspect of, you know, psychology or, or counselling or other modalities. It's just build these foundations for yourself. Yeah. And I think it's really important too, like, and, and it's as I said, like you just can't, we are so good at sabotaging that, you know, when we get to the tough part, we'll be like, oh, look, this isn't going to work for me. Sorry. Um, checking out. I'm not going to do this. Um, so I tried. Mm-hmm. You know, I really tried. But what we're actually doing is we're self-sabotaging because we're not willing to do that bit that you're talking about, Lizzie, and just like going through it and taking mm-hmm. that next step, even if it's just that, you know, little 1% forward. Yeah. Um, and, and it can take a long time or you can take great leaps and bounds. But um a counselor a really good counselor a really good psychologist or life coach is going to get you to extract it out of you so you say it for yourself right they're going to help you find the answers within yourself and that's what you really want so that you can look at it and go oh okay um all right so this is what's happened yeah and you have that light bulb moment and you go oh my god but you have to be willing to get through that kind of yucky part and allow the other person permission mm. to help you do that, right? Like because yeah. we're likely to shut down. We, we could easily disassociate. We might be triggered. You know, there's lots of things. So you've got to be patient with yourself. Like Lizzie's saying, mm. be kind to yourself, be gentle with yourself mm. because you're going to notice things. And when you start to notice things, then you can go, oh, shit, I just did the thing. Yeah. I just did that thing. You're like, I don't do that thing. <laughs> and the, and this, so is, this is the thing. You can, as you're still learning, um, you know, through your healing journey, you can still do the thing. You can still get sabotaged or have self-sabotage. But it's knowing that once you bring the awareness to it, you go, oh, yeah. I'm doing the thing again, right? So yeah. even recognising that through awareness, then you might go, oh, shit, I ate, you know, all that food and, oh, God, I feel terrible now. 
at least you have awareness now. Whereas before you didn't, you go, I don't know why I do it. I just got really anxious and all of a sudden I ate and now I hate myself, right? So even that is a progression in learning of your self-healing. And the more that you're able to face what you're doing and how you're feeling, it loses its energy. It loses its hold over you. So that's why when you talk to people about how you're feeling or what you're doing or what, what happened, the energy changes because it's not blocked inside of you anymore and you start to release it. And as you get more and more comfortable with, you know, I'm feeling this emotion and I'm feeling, you know, um, these things or I'm getting these images, it starts to dissipate and, and leave, you know, your whole being because that's why it comes up to be healed, you know, and but we're really good at just push, block, suppress, resist, <laughs> all of that. But it gets yep, to a yep, point, yep. as I said, um, it, it stops working because you want to live life and you want to be free of um, free of the constraints of what's happened in your past. And that's where the self-empowerment comes from is that once you start to open up, once you start to write it out, once you start to go in your mind and, and, and join all the dots together, the energy changes. So it's not as scary as what it once was because when you're in that fight or flight response, you're still living as you were when you were seven or eight or 10 or 12, right? And so that's what we revert back to. And when you can have that understanding as an adult, of course, you're going to be kind and gentle because you go, poor thing, like, why would I treat, you know, that um, inner child in such a horrible way? I'd never do it to my own child or children and, and so on. So have that recognition that that's what's going on in the mind and the body when you're triggered or when you're self-sabotaging or when you're engaging on your healing journey. Or when you start talking shit to yourself and start swearing at yourself and calling yourself stupid names. Yeah. Yourself and be open to other people like my little Shelly Bell yeah. uh, telling me that I should not be talking shit to myself. Exactly. You have to be able to allow people in your life to speak into your life because often particularly as survivors, we, um, we're very independent because like, oh, what can you tell us? We've already survived this. We're good. We don't mm. need your help. <laughs> mm -hmm. And we just don't let anyone in because we think we don't need it. But um, Or we, we don't do. trust them, or we don't trust them either. You yeah. know, that's another aspect. And that's where when you learn to trust yourself, which is all part of the journey too, um, you know, you, you hold strong on that and no one can take that away from you. It, it's only going to grow as time goes on and, and that's going within that that inward journey for me was the most powerful um, foundation in my healing. Whilst I had help from other people and support around me um, facing who I was and what happened to me was um, extremely, um, you know, impactful. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Mm -hmm. um, I just, I think there's so much like we could unpack from our conversation. Like it, you just so eloquent. So you're going to have to come back. Um, at some point, and yeah, um, well, I feel like we've got have we got questions to uh to answer here, or we, we've <laughs> we, already um we've already answered uh most of our questions. Excellent. Um, Wonderful. so yeah, but if anyone else has any questions, chuck them in the uh, feed, and we will um answer. We've just got a couple of minutes left. Um, but guys, yeah, I, I just wanted to tell us about surfing real quick because I just. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there couldn't be anything more scary than like being out in the ocean with the sharks oh. and like that freaks me out Nah, it's um for me fear-based mindset you know i'm when i go out surfing it is the the greatest freedom um that i can feel and i when i was in that very dark time in my life at uh, 27 um 
and I just I was struggling with my everyday um, life and I was I started to think about getting back in the ocean I hadn't surfed for 13 or 14 years Um, I grew up with surf lifesaving so I learned then and um, grew up with uh, a street full of boys and brothers and whatnot so um, that was natural for me anyhow I had um, entered a um, competition I bought some sun's sunscreen and a banana boat at the time and they said oh do you want to go into a competition to win a surfboard I was like yeah for sure why not um and a week later they rang me and said you want a surfboard and I was like what <laughs> so then it, then it sat in my apartment for six months because I didn't want to put a wetsuit on because I, I felt I was 20 kilos heavier and very body conscious so I was like no way I'm not putting a wetsuit on like anyway one day I said stuff it I'm doing it because I just I didn't know what else to do and I just was feeling pretty shit and put the wetsuit on, um, squeezed that on and took the board out. And when I got that first wave, the, the freedom I felt and it took me back to being, you know, a seven-year-old who was surfing at the time and, and that joy and exhilaration. And it was, I thought, this is it. I'm never going to not surf anymore. This is my my ultimate freedom and, and my happiness. And and the ocean has taught me so much as far as um, about myself and, and healing. And it's a meditation in itself, just being out there and, um and, and the life lessons you learn, you know, you go surfing, you have to paddle out the back and duck dive under waves and, you know, you've got this force against you, but it's like, well, do you want the thrill? Do you want the exhilaration? You've got to push through even when it gets tough. So, um, yeah, I absolutely love it. People know me as the surfer chick, you know, everywhere I go now, the, um, it, it's just it's a part of me now rather than um, just what I do. So I've got a lot of um, gratitude for surfing because, it really did, you know, save my life at a time when, yeah, as as people know from tonight's sharing, um, yeah, there was a, there was a time where I didn't want to be here. So, so yeah, life by the ocean, love it. Surf's up, girlfriend. Yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right, guys. Well, we might leave it there, but Lizzie, thank you so much for sharing of your courage tonight. Um, just beautiful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kel. Thanks for having me. And um, to everyone that's watched or will be watching as well, um, just remember you are not alone and you matter. 100%. All right, guys, thank you so much for being part of Off the Cuff with Kel. Um, uh, We will be back in a fortnight uh, with uh, Craig Hughes-Cashmore from uh, Samson. So he will be on um, live with us. But um, Guys, you've just heard an incredible story from Lizzie. She's got some great tips in there. So please make sure you share. Uh, And again, thank you so much for being part of our audience tonight. So we'll see you and hear from you again soon. All right. Thank you, guys. Bye. Awesome. Thanks, Kel. Thanks, Lizzie. Thank you so much for being part of Off the Cuff with Kel. Breaking cycles of abuse and trauma is not something that can be done alone and requires all of us working together. Your support makes a huge difference. If you've found the content of this podcast valuable, you can support my work through my Patreon account at patreon.com forward slash Kelly Humphreys. You can also find me on all major social media platforms. Through my website, kellyhumphreys.com, you can contact me for speaking in workshops as well as purchase my first book, Unscathed Beauty. If you found any of the content today distressing, please reach out to appropriate support agencies in your country. For emergencies, contact your local law enforcement agency.